welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is 245. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Angel Knight, Pain Star. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your host, The Beast. Thank you, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. And with us today, we have Angel Knight coming from the great north of Ohio. Hi, Angel. Hi. Angel, how how long have you been in the community? First got involved maybe about five years ago, um, but I've been more active within the community, I want to say probably the last year. So, but you're not a newbie to the world. You are in your 40s. Yes. So this is, you're kind of a latecomer compared to the 20-sums that are filling up the FetLife and so other now. So what brought you to Kink? What brought me to Kink? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I guess I always kind of knew. I, I kind of knew I liked being restrained or, you know, my hands held behind my bed with the quote-unquote vanilla sex. Um, that's all I've had. But then, and I know the viewers out there are going to hate me for saying this, but I did get sucked into the Fifty Shades. But I knew enough um, that something didn't sound right. It, it sounded very abusive. And I think that came from my background as being abused as a child and my ex-husband who was abusive towards me as well. So I had enough smarts to know, okay, this is not really healthy, but something about being restrained, a crop, all that stuff was a turn on for me. So I kind of did the whole research on my own about exactly what BDSM was and what I found was a beautiful lifestyle that was so not like Fifty Shades. It was a lifestyle filled with respect, consent, um, safety, and all that good stuff. So a friend of mine, actually, he had said, you know, you need to check out FetLife <laughs> and just, just go on there and just get a feel for it and see if that's what you were really looking for. And sure enough, it was. So you are the research top that when you go to buy the new washing machine, you research uh, consumer reports and find out everything you can. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so this is calls back to your very early life. You liked your sex a little different than the social norm. Yes. Do you think this is a this is kind of a personal question, but one that I find that uh, many people fall into do you think that you sought out and partner that you thought would dominate you that actually ended up being a domineering asshole oh yes yes i was probably on fed for maybe six months seven months and i was getting connected with good people but i was still a newbie so what i what i knew was i needed structure needed 
I guess, consistency. I've always been drawn to the alpha male, per se. So I did end up finding a dom on there, and I knew enough to ask him the right questions. How many subs have you had? How do you deal with brats? Because back then, I was a, I was a huge brat. Huge, huge brat. Yeah, how do you deal with punishments? What are what is your view on protocol, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And so my first dom, he actually everything checked out. We actually had a formal contract. So in that contract, I had to dress a certain way when I met him. Um, I had to address him a certain way in private and in public. I had to always carry my toy bag with me so he could use me at any time. Um, and things were really good. Until probably three months in, our last scene was one that my consent was absolutely violated. He ignored my safe word red, and it took me a long time to recover from that to where I almost walked away from the lifestyle completely. So to be able to do what I do now is truly amazing. What you do now is edge play. Yes. Very, very, very much so. You just returned from filming with one of the heavier players in the community. What's it like that, to test yourself? Because you seem to be testing your boundaries right now. Oh, yeah. I've, I've always been wanting to test my boundaries, though. But I, I, I want to say probably in the last year, it's kind of like, okay, let's see how far I could go this time. And, and for the first time in my life, there's no fear. There's no fear to go above my boundaries. I think what really helped me was getting connected in the community, speaking to sadists that I trust. And I will say this, what brought me to the point where I am now was when I did my collaboration with Jerry Badman. That's when I truly found out what a masochist I was. And how far I could push my boundaries. So then really pretty much for me, I kind of grew to where I am today. The second one was, of course, when I went and spent a few days with EM. Extensive conversations, negotiations. And I knew then I wanted to do CNC with him. And then came Brutal Master. It was like, okay, I'm going to see how far I could push myself. Um, and how far I could please Brutal Master. Because a lot of my masochism is very cathartic for me. It allows me to push through those fears. It allows me to kind of heal a lot. And I know a lot of people frown upon using the lifestyle as a form of therapy. But after speaking to many in the lifestyle, a lot of them, it's an addition to their therapy, if that makes sense. So for me, for example, with rope, that really helps, like, if I'm depressed, because it's a safety for me. It's a way to decompress, whereas my masochism is a way to do a reset button on me when my anxiety is high. We did a podcast recently with a young lady that therapy and lifestyle blended together. Her lifestyle promoted her therapy, and her therapy was largely in part uh, occurred because of the support she got from the lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. Her, her professional therapy was really bolstered by the support of her community. Mm-hmm. And then the lifestyle explorations allowed her to explore those fear areas 
and conquer those and realize, oh, this, I can get through this. Absolutely. And I think with the lifestyle, it's a, at least for me, it's a safe place, especially when you could do that with someone you trust. Your very first masochistic scene, tell me about how that came about and what was going through your head as you put yourself in this situation that for many uh, that must have been triggering some prior memories really hard so when i spoke to jerry badman i'm like i just need a cathartic release and so at the time of my elbow uh bondage video which you could see on the clips for sale and even on fetlife that pain it was real and it was me just unleashing all the hurt from as a little girl to what was happening personally that year with me. And afterwards, I felt free. I felt really free and much stronger because it, it, it was something that just talking about it didn't help me. So then my next scene was with EM. And there's a clip on it on FetLife where I'm shackled to a bed on a, on a wooden platform. He left me there, the most safest players. So he was he was doing stuff, but he was always checking in on me. And that triggered me. It triggered me um, because I had a hood on. I was in a straitjacket. I had mentioned to him that I wanted to try a plastic bag. I wanted to do really extreme breath play. Well, he attempted to put the plastic bag on me, and I freaked out. He took it off, and we didn't do it for that scene i heard him walk away and i didn't realize that he was still in the room tears just started coming and i started self-talking you're not a bad girl angel you're not a bad girl you're a good girl you're not a bad girl you're a good girl and then i just started saying please don't leave me please don't leave me please don't leave me not knowing that he was in there i literally had to work through that trigger on my own but in a safe space. And afterwards, when he came in, I had told him that I felt like I failed him because I couldn't do the plastic bag over my head on top of the mask. And I'll never forget his words were, you did not fail me. You did not fail yourself. It was something to that effect. And he asked me what triggered me because he had told me he was sitting in the room. And I said, I was triggered by not being perfect. And being neglected, not being the center of attention, because I wasn't perfect. These feelings go back to your, sound like they go back to your earlier life. Yes, yes, yes. That's maybe a takeaway here that things may not ever be totally put away. They may always come back to haunt us at various moments. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Ian was wonderful because we had a very lengthy discussion about it. One thing I like about him is that he was very intuitive in our conversations about me. He hit it dead on. He's like, you're so used to being center of the attention. And I took that away. Speaking of center of attention, (laughs) you do modeling. You're very out there with your face and your body. Yes. Is this a new endeavor since you got into the community? Or was this something you were doing prior to entering the community? I had a little about my uncle was a photographer and he took actually my senior pictures back in high school, way back then. 
I got lots of compliments saying you should be a model and da da da. But at the time, I was a ballet dancer too, and I didn't have the self confidence. I was I had very low self esteem, um, and I didn't have the self confidence. So I kind of just stuck it away, you know, kind of focusing on my ballet. And then I got married and had kids at 21 and I just kind of shoved it away. And then it wasn't until probably about a year or two being in the community, I was seeing these gorgeous photos and became a few friends with photographers and was like, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, It was very intimidating for me because let's face it, I'm not a 20 year old with perky tits and no stretch marks or anything. So it was very intimidating and challenging for me to do so. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And as I came to view, came to see me in a different light, I guess it's when my confidence started coming up. But with that came the attention. And it's funny you say attention because even now, sometimes I'll get messages saying you must be loving all the attention or like my famous pussy pick with the cherry. I would get messages about it and it was like, no, actually, I'm still a very humble and I'm quite shy. (laughs) And the attention and the attention is very overwhelming, especially with the comments and the loves and the messages I get, which is why a lot of times you just see me say thank you with a smiley face or kind of real short with my replies. And it's not that I'm being rude or a bitch or think I'm above that. It's truly because I'm overwhelmed. Go back uh, 10 years. Would you have ever thought that you would appear naked, not just nude, but naked and lewdly before millions of people? No. In processing that now, what do you say to other women that are doubting their bodies and their passions? Would you say embrace them? I would say embrace them. And something that was told on me on Sunday after I went to the Ace Rope Weekend and presented and performed with Rigorati's was when I watched the video of our performance, actually the next morning I was very upset about it and was crying because I looked at myself. I'm like, I am such a, I am huge. I don't like how I look. And Adi's was wonderful. He was like, you know what? You are so beautiful. And Kenbaki is not about, it's about the inner beauty and the emotion that the rope brings out in you. So I was talking to um, and one of the organizers at the event, um, Molly V, and she said, you know what? She goes, thank you for embracing your body because looking at you and gives me the courage to put myself out there. And if I get the courage, then it's a domino effect. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing. So embrace it. And we're not all perfect. And I do think women my age, it's, it's a little more difficult for them to express and it's a little more dif- difficult to embrace those flaws, especially with social media in our face with all these perfect little bodies and equally proportionate and everything. It's very, I think, I think it could be very difficult with women our age to put it all out there. But beauty comes from within. We all have different body types. We all have a story. Embrace it. You have reinvented yourself. Yes. Fifty Shades was a gateway. Yes. And despite the all of the problems we have may have with Fifty Shades, it still opened up a new world to you. Yeah, it did. And I mean, I guess my caution is because I do. I get really worried with 
with these young people getting into the lifestyle and unfed and have that perception that being abused verbal or mentally, that that's what BDSM is and it's not. But I think they take that because of Fifty Shades. And that's very worrisome for me because that's not what our community is about. No, it's about personal empowerment and fulfilling yourself, whether that is being abused. And abuse is a is a spectrum, and it's uh, largely in the view of both the uh, victim or the bottom and right. the observer. Right. If it's not abuse to the person receiving, then is it truly abuse? Well, to the observer, they may still think so. Right. And I think that's where kind of, you know, where the negotiation comes in and I guess asking those questions or delving more, because I know when I started, there were some things I was not sure about. And I sent direct messages saying, you know, I'm new. Can you tell me a little bit more about your image? You know, kind of ask those questions. And and I really don't like the term abuse in our community. I think a lot of people say, well, I'm a dom, I'm a sub, so you need to be a doormat and do as I say. Yeah, well, so for some people, that is the life they want to live. True, true. But it's not, but it's not our definition for, for ourselves in the community as a whole. Right, right, right. So what prompted you to go to hell? Oh, <laughs> what prompted me was when I saw uh, the images on Brutal Master's profile and the beautiful suffering. The beautiful suffering. Yes. Help us understand what that was that you saw. There was a suffering there that was real, that was pleasing, that was freeing, that was that was surrendering, being vulnerable, being humiliating. All that, there is so much beauty in suffering. And with Burdomaster uh, in hell, the boundaries of sanity sometimes are pushed. Yes, they can be. What prompts an intelligent, attractive woman to hop on a plane and fly off to a out-of-the-way state and surrender herself for what is going to be excruciating mental and physical torture? I won't say pain. I'll say torture. <laughs> yes, it was torture. <laughs> it was it was torture. Um, well, and I think I think a lot of it is I have a very high stress job where I have to be in control, and there's a lot of pressure on me and demands. So knowing that I could just go and not think and get out of my head was something I needed and something that I wanted. And Brutal Master and I, and even his slave, we had multiple conversations about what to expect and what I could possibly endure. I knew it was something that I wanted to do. My tits, I hate my tits being bound or anything. So what's the first thing he does? Yeah, I'm sure you watched the video. Well, no, he's a legendary sadist and one of the most confident edge players out there. Yes. And he's going to find your weakness and exploit it. Oh, yes. In the most positive ways in the end. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yep, he had fun torturing my tits. (laughs) Uh, But here the food's good, too. Yes. Oh, my God. It was so delicious. It was so yummy. Now, you say you have a high-stress job. Yes. 
And you are very out there with your face and your body. Yes. Obviously, after a session with the tops you've been playing with, you come back black, blue, and bruised, and stiff, and sore, altered head spaces, and all that. So how do you blend the vanilla world with your kink world? I think after, usually like after my scenes, and especially here in Cleveland playing with Mr. J, it's usually on a Saturday, so I have Sunday to, I guess, recover and regroup mentally. And of course, you know, the aftercare helps as well, too. But I think part of my surviving skills is put your big girl panties on, you're going to work, stay focused, and then when you get home, you can lose it, you can cry, you can do whatever to help through the drop. But at the same token, part of my drop is irritation. Irritation? Yes, I get very irritable Ah. while dropping. So with my job, that could that could really play an issue with me. So I just learned to kind of take deep breaths and then kind of let go when I get home. Um, as far as my bruises, like they're pretty well covered except the ones on my arm. Thankfully, there's been two cases where I bit my arm uh, to cope with the pain and... My coworkers are like, oh my God, look at your arm. Did someone hit you? Did, you know, and I, good thing I'm quick on my feet because I'm like, oh no, that was when a client was, you know, I was in a restraint with a client and, and he kind of pushed me up and I bruised very easily. And they're like, oh, okay. I was worried about you. And I'm thinking, oh, but you should see my tits. You should see my <laughs> ass. You should see my thighs. <laughs> so it's kind of hot, actually. It's a turn-on for me when I go to work knowing I'm covered in bruises. What's in the future for Angel? More edge play. <laughs> More edge play pushing my limits. You have nowhere near found the limits, huh? No, I haven't. I, I uh, Well, let me think here. You know what? Probably my limit is Brutal Master is probably going to hold this against me, and I'm sure he'll probably convince me to do it, is nailing my tits and skewering them. That's where I put a limit to. That's one of his favorite things. I know, and no doubt if he hears this, I know he's probably going to, he's going to tuck that in the back of his head, and he's somehow he's going to talk me into doing it. For the foreseeable future, you're going to keep on pushing the edge and exploring and discovering. I am. I have a whole lot to do. I have a needle play to do. I have blood play to do. Um, I have knife play with cutting to do. I have tons to do. I'm not, I'm not done yet. So <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I live to shock people, keep them on their toes about me. What is she going to do next? We are shocked in the most wonderful ways. And it's been great talking with you today. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for, you know, reaching out and, and asking me for an interview. I'm, I'm truly humbled and, and honored and flattered. So thank you so much. Well, Angel, you are a great role model for the adults, the more mature individuals. And I won't degrade the young 20 year olds by saying they're not adults, but, but they don't have the life experience. And often older people don't think that sex is for them anymore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and you're showing the way that, yeah, you know, you can have a new life. Absolutely, you can. Well, Angel, it's been great. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
You have been listening to episode 245 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present, for fuck's sake, the dirty, nasty, things I do. Thank you.